Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. For historical context, today is the 8th of July of 2022. Today's podcast is going to be discussing patients who have cardiogenic shock. These folks, unfortunately, have a very high mortality rate at about 50%, which is too, too, too high. And we need to do things to try to decrease their mortality while they're in the hospital. Now, we all have different ideas as to how to measure these folks and how to optimize their care. And recently, I've been working on a lecture that I've been giving for the past two years or so on mechanical circulatory support. I have a full blog post on that, which you could check out in the show notes. But when I was quickly revising it the other day, I started looking into the data behind Swan Gans catheters. And part of the reason why I went down that rabbit hole was first of all my bias. I really like PA catheters in patients who are in cardiogenic shock because like that, I don't feel like I have to fly it blind. But in addition to that, there was a publication in the Journal of Critical Care, which unfortunately is not free for you to download. So you're going to have to kind of take my word for it. That was published in the June of 2022 edition, where they did a systematic review and meta-analysis on pulmonary artery catheter monitoring in patients with cardiogenic shock. And the findings of this paper support what my bias was, which is to place PA catheters in patients who have cardiogenic shock. See, from a historical perspective, PA catheters, also known as Juan Gans catheters, were pretty much placed in everybody who was critically ill for a period of time. However, when I went through training in the 2010s, this was barely anywhere to be seen, at least in the MICU patient population. In the CVICU patient population, we used it all the time. What took it out of the realm of everyday use was the ESCAPE trial, which was published in JAMA in 2006, which is free for you to download and check out for yourself. But this ESCAPE trial took the winds out of the sails of those folks who were swan gans enthusiasts in cardiogenic shock because they didn't find any benefit to floating swans in patients with cardiogenic shock. And in my opinion, this was a bit too premature. So what this article, the one that came out in June of 2022 did, was that they looked at six observational trials from 2017 onward, and they did a systematic review and meta-analysis. They did all their statistical jumping jacks and came to the following conclusions. Now, I do have to say that observational trials and meta-analysis and systematic reviews all have a flurry of limitations. I mean, they should not be taken in any way as gospel, but it's pretty darn hard to go ahead and recruit patients to redo the escape trials, so to speak, because you kind of take the nuance out of the patient selection when you try to enroll as many people as you can. Like, you know, it's pretty hard to tease out favorable subgroup analyses as to who would really benefit from a PA catheter as opposed to who could you just let them, you know, fly on their own using physical exam and echocardiograms and things of that nature. But what they did in this trial on this uh, observational meta-analysis of sorts is compare patients who had cardiogenic shock and either they had a swan floated compared to those who didn't have a swan floated in them. And the first thing that they found was a mortality benefit, which nowadays is pretty hard to find a mortality benefit in most prospective studies. As a matter of fact, some say we should stop looking at mortality benefits. But nonetheless, they found that patients who had a PA catheter floated, they had a 29% decrease odds of mortality. 
And what they found was in the group that had a swan floated, 36% of those patients did not survive versus 47% in the patients who did not have a PA catheter floated. And so this goes ahead and gives us a number needed to treat of just 9.1. By definition, this number needed to treat means that 9.1% of patients with cardiogenic shock would need to have a swan versus not having a swan to save an additional life. Now, we need to, again, keep in mind all the limitations of the type of studies that this is based off of. So not only did they find a mortality benefit of sorts with a number needed to treat of 9.1 in these patients, but they also found that the patients who had a swan placed were more likely to receive mechanical circulatory support, whether this be an impella, balloon pump, a tandem, ECMO, whatever it is, they received more support than those who didn't. And it was the opinion of the authors, and I happen to agree with them entirely, is that knowing the values of the PA catheter assisted in faster decision-making for these patients. And one of the things that's been proven time and time again in patients with cardiogenic shock, or heck, all types of shock for that matter, is that the faster we escalate based on their needs, the more, the higher the likelihood, I guess I could say, that they will survive. You know, we have all these other technologies outside of a swan that provide us with numbers, you know, uh, cardiac output, cardiac index, SVR, et cetera. But what's the data of using these particular pieces of technology as opposed to using a PA catheter? See, we, we it, it was kind of hard for me to go through these data because um, I, I really like these minimally invasive and non-invasive devices, such as uh, bioreactants and pulse contour analysis, because we don't have all the risks that one sees with placing a PA catheter. You know, we don't have to put in an introducer and we don't have to float the swan, which has a number of complications such as, you know, infection, bleeding, uh, patients could go into VFib as you tickle their RV on the way up. I personally don't wedge because I don't really think it's very beneficial, but some people could wedge. And when you wedge, you could run the risk of rupturing the pulmonary artery. I mean, there, there's just a whole bunch of things that could go wrong. So these minimally invasive technologies are quite appealing to those of us at the bedside. But first, I started looking into bioreactants, and I found a study by Rowley and uh, authors that found that, quote, well, I'm not going to say the name of the actual technology, but they stated that the bioreactants technology is, quote, not a reliable method of measuring cardiac output in patients with decompensated heart failure and cardiogenic shock, end quote. And what they went on to illustrate in this article, which uh, let me check really quick if it's free for you to download. Nope, it's not free. So you have to trust me here. What they found was that perhaps pulmonary edema affected the ability of the device to go ahead and function properly. So keep that in mind. Now, there are other devices made by other manufacturers that work on a type of technology called pulse contour analysis. And although the initial validation of a certain device versus a swan was found to be favorable by Meyer and other authors in 20, 2006, you know, they looked at just 26 patients at the end of the day, small, small study. But since then, you know, I found a number of other studies, three different studies, which looked at different technologies, different manufacturers, and it really wasn't as reliable as I was hoping for it to be. Um, in one of them, they stated that the degree of accuracy in a certain manufacturer in patients with low cardiac index was not acceptable. Another one found that 
that in cardiac surgical patients it wasn't really reliable either and you know it it wasn't too convincing overall but all that is cited on my actual page itself so i guess to wrap up this podcast it's my opinion that if your patient is in cardiogenic shock and you really really want to get them out of it they they need a swan i personally do not like flying blind on their management the mortality at 50 percent is already too high some could say that you could do serial echoes and do calculations, but echo techs are not so readily available. And from one's own perspective, obtaining good windows are not always easy enough to perform serial echocardiograms. Sometimes the patient also becomes vasoplegic, developing a distributive shock type picture to accompany their cardiogenic shock. And if this is the case, how are you, how, how are you really going to sort out their SVR? I mean, you could plug it into the equation and all that, but it's much easier to just see it on the screen. Also, for those of us who use moronone, we know that moronone usually has to bring a friend, and that friend is norepinephrine, and that's because of the vasodilatory properties of moronone. So when you start moronone and the blood pressure begins to deteriorate, how will you easily know if it's because either the heart is getting worse or they're becoming vasoplegic due to the medication? I mean, this question could be answered with a swan. So this ends the podcast. Hope you guys learned something, and I wish you all the best, and have a great day. Bye.